Thanks to Slack for supporting Industry Focus. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, June 7th, and we're going to be talking about some summer reading and listening recommendations. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by full premium analysts, Jason Moser and David Kretzman. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey. Dylan. So I don't have to tell you that we're kind of at the dead point in the summer here. <laughs> a little slow around it's the here. Calm before the storm. Yeah, I guess earnings will I think be kind of kicking off a little bit next week, but a lot of the big tech names won't be reporting for a couple weeks. Uh, I think at this point in the summer, people are thinking a little bit more about vacations than anything else. Uh, what else? What do you guys have planned for the summer? Any big trips? Got a couple trips. My mom's going to be coming out east. So I'll be going up to New Hampshire to see her and my grandparents and hopefully make it out to California in August. But in the meantime, just taking it easy at Fool HQ. <laughs> Enjoy, enjoying the lull. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you, Jason? Yeah, I'm going to be that boring guy. We uh, just moved at the beginning of this year into a new house. And so it's, it's going to be a lot of. Uh, Stuff to do around the house here over the coming over the coming summer and beyond. So I have a feeling I know what I'm going to be doing. It's not going to be a lot of traveling. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing too much either. Maybe a couple of weekend trips here and there. But uh, I'm kind of with you. Or I'm just going to enjoy a couple of staycations, relax. I'm, I might have a move coming up sometime soon. So just got to save my energy for that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, well, with things being kind of slower, I figured we'd take today's show and spend some time talking about some of our favorite books about the tech space some leaders and companies that we really like and love to follow, and uh, maybe give some of our listeners that would be taking beach vacations some recommendations to help them pass the time. Um, so, just to kick things off, David, you know, what are some of your favorite books about tech companies or tech leaders? Well, I'll, I'll throw out a couple books from Brad Stone, the the longtime writer at Bloomberg, who really does some great uh, stuff, both with the uh, decrypted podcast that Bloomberg has, and then uh, his regular columns over at Bloomberg just do a really are, are a really nice way to keep a pulse on what's happening in the tech world. And his two books are. are uh, books that probably our listeners are familiar with, but uh, the Everything Store, which came out a few years ago, talking about the rise of Jeff Bezos and Amazon up to about 2014, and then his most recent book that came out earlier this year is called The Upstarts, which covers the relatively young histories but very powerful histories of Airbnb and Uber, and really both of those books, you could really write a new chapter every month <laughs> with everything that's happening with Amazon, Airbnb, and Uber, but. Those books are very well written, and I'm not necessarily the best reader. I get distracted really easily, but those two books by Brad Stone just really fascinating entrepreneurial histories. I think you know they're entertaining and worthwhile reads for anyone interested in tech. Any particular nuggets about those companies from the books that you remember, or anything that really stuck out to you? I mean, really, with Jeff Bezos and the Everything Story, just how voracious of a competitor he is and how much he likes to disrupt himself within Amazon. I think a really interesting quip from Amazon's history is when he put the former head of Amazon's book operations in charge of the new Kindle operation when it was still a fledgling project. And he said, I want you to operate as if you're trying to put your former book business out of business. And that really just gives you a sense of how he thinks about the business within Amazon. I think why Amazon has so successfully gotten so big and continues to remain so innovative. It just permeates the culture. So that would be one quip that sticks out to me. I think that's 
<clears throat> kind of the theme with a lot of these types of books where you know you're getting the backstory with a business or you know some of these podcasts too um, where you you find out kind of how obsessive some of these CEOs can be about their companies um, and some of the early failures they had and some of the uh, things that you know they maybe they didn't expect success from and wound up getting success from uh, I know you're also a fan of the Elon Musk biography by Ashley Vance. I know that that book is riddled with that type of stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, uh, really a similar approach to Brad Stone's books and it just Elon Musk is obviously such a, a high profile entrepreneur these days. He's someone worth following even if you're not an investor in Tesla. Uh, but yeah, that 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 book is is one I read when I was on vacation uh, in in March, and that that again for me was just a quick, fascinating read, and well worth taking the time to learn more about Elon Musk and just his vision for the world and how he's using these multiple businesses and now even more businesses that he started since the the book came out a couple of years ago. Uh, j- just a fascinating read. Yeah, I guess they'll probably need to do a volume two at some point soon. <laughs> right? So, like I said, you could really write a new chapter at least every month with, with these guys. It's just such a fast pace within the technology world and especially when you're talking about entrepreneurs like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, or the folks over at Uber and Airbnb, which continue to have their their fair share of dramas lately. Yeah, and I would love to see either of those companies on the publicly traded markets. But for for folks that kind of feel the same way, you might have to settle for the backstory right now. At least for now, and it sounds like Uber. It, it, Looks like Uber is bracing to go public sooner than Airbnb at this point. But yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to learn more about those companies and potentially invest in those companies within the next year or two. And Jason, what about you? I know that um, you know there there's some companies in the social sphere that you like to follow, namely Twitter. Um, any books about them that you're particularly interested in? Yeah, I mean, I think that to me that's just a fascinating space when we kind of look at the direction. Uh, social media has has taken us just over the past really decade, I guess. And it, it all actually started with Facebook, I guess. And and so the Facebook effect, which is a book by David Kirkpatrick, I think is a really great look at the the history of the company, how it started, giving you sort of an idea of the the very early stages of Zuckerberg, sort of what he was thinking as he was developing this platform and back when it was the Facebook.com, I guess, or whatever. So you just you think about how how quickly it went from just this sort of novel website to really what is now, I mean, a, a just predominant mobile uh, technology. I mean, it, it's, they just it's, hit two billion monthly active users. Yeah, and and I mean, he he obviously Zuckerberg. Not only did he do a very good job of of getting good people. Behind them, I mean, I think any any good leader, one of their qualities is going to be getting good people on their team, and he's done a very good job of that. Um, but then also having the wherewithal to recognize the real value um, in in this space, the real the strength here beyond just the scale of the business and the number of users is having sort of that arsenal of of apps, that portfolio of apps. So it's not just Facebook, you know, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's WhatsApp, and and who else knows what it's going to be as it continues to grow up. But the Facebook effect. The, the funny thing was, I left reading this book conflicted. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's really it's really neat to see. The profound impact and the implications of of a network like this, and then on the other hand, you know, it's like, man, I don't think I want a Facebook account because 
there's a lot of shady stuff going on. It seems like, and, and you just kind of we stepped into this new realm uh, in the 21st century where privacy takes on a much different meaning than perhaps it did at least when I was growing up. I mean, granted, I graduated college and the internet was literally just taking hold. Um, but but to me, the Facebook effect tells a a great tale of, of obviously what has been a very successful. Uh, Story thus far, and I suspect it'll continue to do pretty well. I guess that's one of the dangers of kind of learning how the sausage is made, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Once you get that look behind the curtain, it, it's tough to go back to living normally. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and then you mentioned Twitter, and and I think Twitter's another important name in this space. I mean, I think it's less socially driven and more sort of network driven, more content driven, perhaps. Um, serves a bit of a different purpose, but if you look at what has gone on with Twitter from its days as a private startup to today as a publicly traded company? And we've we've seen we've had this thing under the microscope ever since it went public, and Facebook as well. But a book called Hatching Twitter, which was written by Nick Bilton, is another very good one. And I think it's it's a great insight into really this this massive soap opera that was going on behind the scenes. I don't think anybody really knows. About what has gone on with this company, unless they've read this book. I mean, I'm not saying everything that was was said in the book was true. I mean, I'm sure there are probably some some embellishments here or there. But but I mean, the point is that uh, we often talk about companies are really only going to be as good as their leadership. And, and Twitter, to my mind at least, up to this point, has suffered from just a massive failure of leadership in virtually every capacity. Um, now, I, I do believe that since Jack Dorsey came back on, I think that's the right move. He's a co-founder of the business, and I think that he's a long-term thinker that's trying to implement some some long-term decision making there. And, and what I think is really uh, neat to follow here is now that Biz Stone is back in there as well. I think he's trying to help sort of develop um, the culture of the company. It would be easy to say, well, these these are a couple of the co-founders back in the game. This is really going to be good for them, and, and I hope it is. But let's also remember that they were a very, very pivotal part of this story before it went public. And if you read Hatching Twitter, you'll realize that there were there was a lot of infighting going on before these guys went public. So that's a big risk there as well. As they didn't necessarily make it work the first time around. I mean, I mean, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if they can make it work the second time around. I'd like to think they've probably grown up a little bit since then. I think they probably know a little bit more about existing as a publicly traded company. And I think we've seen that that Twitter is not necessarily going to be be disrupted um, as I think some thought it would have been, but but will they be able to actually turn that into a good investment story? I mean, the jury's still out there. Time will tell. But but very a very interesting read just to to see how this thing started and all of the infighting going on. It's just unreal. I would think with the experience of now running two publicly traded companies. That Jack Dorsey would be would be able to write the ship and figure it out, and uh, maybe be a little bit more of a grown up with things. So uh, you know, he, he has experience on his side in that sense. <laughs> I'd like to believe. I mean, if you read interviews with the Jack and you sort of read about how he handles his day to day, I mean, he seems to have a very level head on his shoulders, and I think he's I think he's done a lot of sort of learning about himself through the years to try to become that leader. And, and I know he holds Steve Jobs in, in high regard, and he's really tried to model a lot of things in his life after what Steve Jobs did. Um, and again, I mean, he, he surrounds himself with, it seems like, people that really want to be there. And, and I think these are two very important companies. I mean, Facebook and Twitter really are not just social media companies. These are the media companies of the 21st century. I mean, this is where 
the eyeballs, the attention is is going. It's 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 on these Facebook platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and all of these all of these uh, apps. This, this mobile technology. I mean, these are the the media companies of the 21st century. Yeah, it's where people are getting their news. Yep. it's where people are getting their information. Um, I know one other book that you wanted to touch on was Netflix. Sure. Yeah, I think this is one where, uh, to me, it was a bit backward looking because this is after. Um, all of Netflix's success in, in sort of this pivot to streaming. But Gina Keating wrote this book, Netflix, The Epic Battle for America's Eyeballs. And again, just a very neat story of the very beginning of this company, Reed Hastings, the people that he worked with, a little bit of the infighting that went on there. I mean, obviously, Netflix has become just a major powerhouse in in, in our media space here. Um, another very powerful app on probably everyone's phone and TV at this point. But a a very... Neat story, and um, just if if for nothing other than just the entertainment value alone, um, but but I'm certain you would also take a a good investing lesson out of it. Yeah, Uh, we're gonna hit some of the recommendations that I have, including a couple podcasts that I like to listen to when I'm not listening to the Fool's excellent family of shows. But before we get over to that part of the discussion, I just want to thank Slack again for supporting Industry Focus. Slack is where work happens. It's a messaging app that brings all of your team's communications into one place, making your working lives simpler and more productive. With Slack, you can reduce emails and streamline your team's communication, because Slack allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. Looking to save time and be more productive? With Slack, there's no more searching through emails for that one follow-up, or searching through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. And Slack works everywhere you go. With mobile iOS and Android that syncs seamlessly, you can always pick up where you left off, no matter where you are. It's an easy and convenient platform to get your team working together. One of the best features by far on Slack is the drag-and-drop file sharing that works with all the apps you already use, like Dropbox, Google Drive, and Trello. I use it all the time to share spreadsheets and screenshots. I think before we went down to the studio earlier today, I shot you guys over some notes using the Slack drag-and-drop app. So, just something to keep in mind there. We use it all the time at HQ. Uh, We are huge fans. We've been using it for quite some time. Listeners, if you want to learn more, you can head over to slack.com. That's slack.com. So, of course, I could not put you guys in the hot seat and not name a book that that, (laughs) that I really enjoyed. you talked a little bit about the early days of Facebook, and and someone that was involved in that is Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say that I'm a big fan of his Zero to One book. Um, it's it's a pretty quick read. I, th- I think you can probably get through it in you know half a day or something like that if you really wanted to. But he is someone that is just a titan in Silicon Valley, and someone that is very followed. He is the founder of PayPal. He is now involved in data analytics firm Palantir. And really, this book is just kind of a rundown on his views on kind of capitalism philosophically and his ideas when it comes to building a business. And one quote that really stuck out to me was the perfect target market for a startup is a small group of particular people concentrated in a group but served by few or no competitors. And you think about the early days of Facebook and them starting out, you know, simply serving Harvard. And and what it's grown into, um, you know, there are a lot of little pieces of wisdom like that in this book uh, that I think can be a blueprint for people that are looking to either start businesses or identify really successful traits of um, you know soon to be public or already public and disruptive companies. Seems pretty simple. Just find out what people want and give it to them. Yeah, <laughs> if you do that, you should probably do well. Yeah, it's 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 not hard. I don't understand. <laughs> what, what what are we doing here? <laughs> Let's start a business. 
Um, on, on the podcast side, I don't know about you guys, but um, I will highly recommend to our listeners outside of the Fool shows uh, the startup podcast from Gimlet and How I Built This from NPR. I don't know if you've listened to either of those shows, guys. I have. Yep. Well, How I Built This, I've heard. I've not yep. heard the other one. Yeah, I, How I Built This is an incredible show. Yeah. Um, the guy that hosted Guy Raz uh, basically just chats with founders and entrepreneurs, talks about how they've started these massively popular businesses. I just listened to the episode with Tony Shea uh, mm-hmm. from Zappos recently. Um, I think something that was really cool in that one was he basically said, you know, Zappos could be an anything company. Uh, we're a customer service company. We just happen to sell shoes. Right. And and so when you, when you listen to these types of podcasts or you read these types of books, what you get is this lens into kind of management philosophy and and really what guides these businesses that you may or may not be investing in. Um, and I always think that's helpful. Um, with the startup podcast, since neither of you guys have listened to it, I will evangelize to you about it. Sure. <laughs> um, Alex Bloomberg, the guy behind Gimlet Media and the podcast himself, um, he was at This American Life and he did some work for Planet Money. And he basically decided, you know what, I think I can go out and build my own private podcasting company. And the first season of the startup podcast is him documenting going about doing that. And so he winds up. Going on, you know, VC pitch walks, and he's like talking with Chris Saka about this business that he wants to found. Um, he's doing like equity negotiations with employees. He's talking about, you know, what is the right rate to grow at. All of these different things that you typically don't get to see with an early stage business. And I think it's just a very honest and very candid look at how difficult it can be to start a business and get something off the ground. Um, he had the benefit of having the podcast. Basically, create all this buzz for Gimlet Media, wound up being this runaway success. Um, but if if you're like me and you're kind of a media nerd and a business nerd, uh, it, it's a great overlap there. So I will highly recommend that. Um, anything that you guys are listening to right now that you particularly enjoy? Sort of along those lines. I don't know if you've listened to This Week in Startups with Jason Calacanis. He's a really successful angel investor who's an early investor in Uber and a bunch of other companies, and he. Uh, several times a week, actually, he'll interview different entrepreneurs, VCs, investors, uh, really people all across the board, and just talk about what's going on in the startup world. So again, and just a nice way to keep a pulse on what's happening there. Uh, season two of Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell is out. That's a great podcast just for someone who thinks differently about the world. Like you won't necessarily agree with all of his conclusions, but man, he he's someone who looks at the world in a Fundamentally different way than just about anyone else, and for me, that's always a fascinating thing to to listen to. So those are two that I've been listening to lately. I listened to the episode where he revisited the Toyota brake scandal. Yeah, that was an incredible episode. Yeah, that essentially, was really well done. essentially saying that it wasn't Toyota's fault. It was actually people instead of slamming on the brake in the moment where they're trying to find the brake, they end up slamming on the gas pedal, but it still blew up into this huge scandal, which. I never would have thought of. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm Gladwell is not shying away from controversial opinions on this podcast. I think right. we can say that. Um, Jason, what about you? What are you listening to in the car or anything like that these days? You know, I am a big sucker for Freakonomics. I just, to me, think that's it's always interesting. Like they never fail to like just tell you a neat story and just sort of uh, an interesting way to sort of look at any given situation. They pretty much don't limit themselves, and so I think the Freakonomics podcast is always a really good one. 
And then another one that it's it's much in line with kind of, you know what we do here um, in, in regard to financial education, financial literacy, helping people take care of their own money. There's a podcast called Manage Your Damn Money, <laughs> best podcast title ever. Uh, and Ben Carter is is the the gentleman behind it. Ben actually came and visited us a couple weeks ago here in the studio just uh, to sit in with a, a taping of Motley Fool Money, I believe it was. But and that's another good one, I think. Uh, that if you're looking to sort of find something similar to the stuff that we're doing, but a little bit different, uh, manage your damn money is is a very very good podcast to consider. Hot tip. Well, listeners, um, there you go. I mean, you, you should be occupied on the beach in the car for the rest of the summer with all those recommendations. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the show, guys. Always Anytime. a pleasure. That does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. We love getting ideas for shows. It makes my job a lot easier. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com/podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For David Kretzman and Jason Moser, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and cool on.